Hello, and welcome to The Breathwork Club, a podcast designed to help you connect with your breathing. My name is Brian Malone. My little girl Lily is here bouncing in my arms, so you may hear a little bit from her too. And thank you very much for joining. In this week's episode, I was lucky enough to have a chat with Dr. Kathy Scanlon, a neuroscientist, former academic, and breathwork teacher. Kathy's classes focus on helping people connect to their authentic self, developing a greater sense of intuition and self-trust. Kathy teaches weekly classes and hosts regular workshops and intensives. And you can find all of her information in the show notes for the podcast. I'm really grateful to Kathy for finding the time to have this chat. And I hope you take as much from listening to the conversation as I got from taking part in it. And so here's my chat with Kathy. And thank you again for listening. Okay, sweet. So first of all, Kathy, I just wanted to say a big thank you. I'm very grateful, very honored that you would take a little time to come on and, and, and have this conversation. So yeah, first of all, thank you so much. How are you doing so far today? Pretty good. I haven't done very much yet, so that's good. Um, but thank you. I'm so delighted to be on here as well. You know, we're a small, small gang of breath workers here in Ireland and Dublin. So, you know, it's good to good to stay connected. <laughs> How um we're speaking on a Thursday morning. How's your morning going? Do you have any like morning routines? Do you have anything that you kind of uh, mm. that you like to do to start your day in particular, or do you kind of take each day as it comes or? Mm, I'm a bit of a phaser on that one. I'm, I'm someone who doesn't like structure in general in my life. I think it's more of a rebellious thing than anything else, just not liking to do the same thing every day. However, that being said, I don't go through phases in my life where I just crave it a little bit. So at the moment, I got up and I drank some lemon and ginger and I did a little bit of breathing because... And we'll probably get into this, the different types of breathing, depending on how you're feeling. Um, but sometimes I don't do, do breath work or meditation and sometimes I do it every day. So this morning I, I get quite excitable when I do things like this. So I'm like, okay, I need to calm down before I go on to talk to Brian <laughs> or I'll be talking a mile a minute. So I did a little and uh, now I'm having my second cup of tea. <laughs> nice. Cool. Um, sounds like a really nice way to spend your morning. We, um, so this is our first time meeting. Yeah, it's a lovely, uh, it's lovely to to get to do so. So, as much for my own, um, my own benefit as for anyone else's, I'd love to hear a little bit about your your background and um, mm. where, you know, yeah, where where you kind of how you came to your breathwork practice or your breathwork or your teaching practice, where you what you were doing before, in kind of as much or as little detail as you would, um, as you kind of have the capacity to go into. <laughs> yeah, if you would yeah. like to know a little bit about it. I'd love to. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a meandering story, but it's kind of a fun one as well. And I think interesting, especially talking to you is, you know, how I think, you know, I'd love to learn more about how you got into it. But I, I think that both of our journeys to breathwork were probably from very different sides. So you from the yoga perspective, and to be honest, I'm only learning about the yogic understanding of breathwork, where I've come from a very scientific way into it. Um, well, not necessarily, but, you know, just even from I'm, I'm not a yogi, I'm not a, I do practice some yoga, but not very well. Um, but my background is originally um, as a scientist. So I was uh, first of all, I was an engineer and then I went and did a Ph.D. in neuroscience here in Dublin um, that took really that was about 15 years ago at this stage when I started that took about four years and I did my um my PhD in neuroimaging, in neuroscience and neuroimaging in neurology. And then I worked as a research scientist, an academic research scientist for about four or five years after that as well. So eight, nine years of working specifically in, first of all, I studied a lot of um, epilepsy um, uh, specific, like understanding, using MRI to understand the brain a little bit better in types of epilepsy. And then I moved into psychiatry for a number of years after that. I worked in NUIG back, well, I, I moved away for many years. I was in, in San Francisco working over there and then back to Ireland and I was working in NUIG in psychiatry. And I, when I, I moved to London then um, and basically just quit one day because I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. So my journey to where I am today kind of starts from 
an academic career that was stressing me the absolute hell out. So I think like a lot of us, when we come to these practices, whether it's breathwork, meditation, a whole slew of things to help us or therapy, um, it's probably because we're in a situation that benefited from that. Um, and I actually started we, when I was finishing my, my PhD thesis, I did it in Dublin, but then I moved to San Francisco and I was still finishing my thesis while I was there and I was doing a full-time job trying to finish my PhD thesis in the evenings and weekends and literally about to blow my absolute mind. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I started doing, like my parents have always kind of been a little bit um, uh, on the hippie side of things. And so they were, were doing TM, Transcendental Meditation, you know, back in the 80s and 90s. But I was a little bit like, nah, that's not for me until I kind of hit a wall where um, that was kind of my first soiree into things where I was like, okay, I need to figure out a way to calm down. <laughs> um, so I started doing TM, but I also started being a therapist around then because I just felt like I couldn't cope. I couldn't mm -hmm. cope with the pressure. But I also didn't even realize I could leave. Like, this is the weirdest thing. It took me many years to go. I kept trying to find techniques that help me calm myself or deal with life better instead of looking around going, am I in the life I actually want? Or is this a life that I should be in which mm -hmm. i there's little air quotes um, but, um it's um a case of this journey towards where i am today was really uh, looking at myself and you know why i've done things and why i'm here and the thing is that the whole neuroscience thing was, was wonderful it's such an amazing career but i know now looking back it wasn't necessarily a right fit for me i mean i was good at maths and science and like when i was 16 like that really shouldn't infer what you do forever and when you do something like a PhD, you kind of the amount of stress and blood, sweat and tears you put into it, you end up kind of going, well, I have to continue. I have to become a professor. I have to do this. I have to do that until one day I actually moved to London because I was like, OK, well, I'm going to go and work in this amazing center in London that's like, you know, top of the world center because maybe that's that's where i'll find happiness, I guess. Mm -hmm. I was there for about six months going, no, this is absolute. Not, there's a lot, there's a lot of um, issues with academia in general, like, you know, these big, big, big systems. But in general, it just I think it's a personality fit. I love working with people, whereas in that you're just by yourself on a computer all day long. Um, and I, I quit quite dramatically. I saved up a little bit of money just to um, support myself for a few months and just quit and had no, no job. So that's that's where all this started. Um, yeah. But then um, I guess a number of things happened after that, whereas, you know, I got a little bit more into Vipassana meditation and things like that, starting to pack, unpack what was going on with me. Um, and it wasn't until I didn't discover breathwork until maybe a couple of years after that. But there was a lot of transitionary period there, just figuring out what to do in my life. Um, and, you know, I, I, I did a number of things while I was still living in London, but I ended up moving to Costa Rica a number of years ago at this stage, you know, on a not on a whim but just on a lot of coincidences coming together um and I learned breath work there and it changed my life like I know that's you know it's, people say that and it's quite dramatic but it really did <laughs> that I had these experiences with breath work and we're talking about the active connected breath work these active types of breath work and there's lots of different types but these types of breath work almost like fast-tracked my let's say healing my understanding of myself my unpacking of my self-worth my who am I all this stuff that I was getting all these insane insights into while I was just breathing going what the hell and uh, it took a, about six months later I, I experimented with uh, plant medicine over there as well but I'd done a lot of breath work first and it was amazing and transformational in itself however what I kept being just fascinated by was the amount I was getting just from breathing which was almost similar to what I had from a plant medicine experience and when I say that I mean like a psychedelic uh, experience uh, you know it's legal over there uh, they have these facilities where there's like um, doctors and psychiatrists and stuff like that who are on site which is quite nice because you feel kind of safe doing it. Do you mind me so, asking which plant? Uh, ayahuasca. Cool. Yeah, so in, in this bizarre way that things happened back then, I ended up at an ayahuasca retreat center working there, but nothing to do with the ayahuasca. I was working on this like other um, uh, stem cell treatment uh, research that they were doing there. But it happened to be 
in the same place as this ayahuasca center, which is so weird. But I was too terrified to try the ayahuasca originally because I was like, oh, that's a bit scary. And so I did a lot of breath work. So if you go to this retreat center in Costa Rica, you do four nights of ayahuasca and you do three nights of breath work. So I just doubled down on breath work, just going, I'm just going to do loads of this. And it was amazing. But I think it actually helped build my resilience to move towards doing the plant medicine, which is amazing. But also with ayahuasca, you know, I did it a number of times and then I'm good now. I'm good for a while. I don't need to be doing that all the time, but my breath is with me wherever I go. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's almost the end of the story. So then after that experience, I actually, what was quite interesting, breathwork is an amazing tool to understand, ask ourselves questions, get really clear. Clarity is a big thing with breathwork. And for me at the time, I was like, what am I going to do with my life? And I kept getting this kind of message during breathwork, which was just keep doing the breathwork, just keep breathing, which I was like, okay, I'll just keep doing breathwork. <laughs> after a while, I kept going, it was like, oh, no, no, do breathwork. You do breathwork. Me, I do breathwork. And I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I could do this. Um, so anyway, I ended up spending um, in, in Costa Rica some time uh, learning there. And then I moved to New York. I've been in New York for the last number of years before I moved back to Ireland this year. Um, and trained um, in breathwork facilitation there with an amazing guy called David Elliott. And that's the style I kind of teach here today. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I moved back to Ireland earlier this, well, actually this time last year. So okay, just yes, that's a little bit of my journey to, to here. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um, for some people who might listen to the podcast might not, um, as you said, there's many different styles of, of breath work, but some people might not be familiar with the connected breathing that you focus yes. on. Um, so would you mind explaining that a little? Of course. So yes, there's lots of different types of, of breath work. Um, you have the slow, deep breath work, which is amazing tools. And there's so many of them where we just slow our breath down completely. We use our diaphragm, so we breathe quite deeply, but slowly. So that's one side of I guess, breathwork practices, if you want to try and categorize them, which I'll always try and do as a scientist. <laughs> so the second side, which is the one I've been talking about, is this conscious connected breathwork. There's so many types of it. You could say holotropic is one, rebirthing. Then there's transformational breath, breath which I started out with. And then I moved into this style. Um, I don't really, we don't really have a name for it. I mean, David just called it the pranayama breathwork, but like, he's just like, I don't know, it's breathing, call it whatever you want. But <laughs> so we always struggle to give it a name, but this conscious, we could call it an active breathwork or conscious connected breathing. Um, the one I teach is not as connected as some of them because it's just not as an intensive practice, but it's almost like, let's say halfway between, you know, just meditating and then doing holotropic breathwork. The one I teach is a little bit more in the middle. However, when we breathe like this, we're breathing deeply um, and we're breathing a little bit more connected. We're breathing a little bit faster than normal. And with that type of breathing, so the, the slow, deep breathing is really going to calm our nervous system. So if we're feeling um, anxious, really, really tense, we want to take a breathing practice that's going to help calm the nervous system, which absolutely does. This other type of breath work is going to activate the nervous system a little bit. Now, over time, it definitely does bring build resilience to stress. So it's not like we're constantly trying to stress ourselves out. However, it moves, <laughs> we breathe in particular patterns. So we're almost like elicitating like an effect of um, an altered state. We're kind of get a little floaty or we get like our, our, our mind kind of um, starts to kind of calm down. The body starts to tingle a lot because we're just over breathing basically. Um, and in this place, a lot of strange things happen. So you have tingly hands, our whole body can start vibrating. We really start viewing or seeing things from a different perspective. So this is why we can see, um, we, we can really tap in our emotions, first of all. So when we breathe like this, we're, we're used to breathing quite high up in our, in our chest. When we start breathing deeply and continuously, we can start tapping into um, emotions that we haven't fully released yet. We can tap into experiences that we may not have fully processed in our lives as well. And slowly these things can start to, to move. So it actually can be quite an emotional experience. So not for everybody, but oftentimes you can do breath work and you can just out of nowhere, just kind of feel emotional. That could be tears, but like I always tell people more often than not, everyone's expecting tears. More often than not, you're just going to feel annoyed and frustrated because anger is also an emotion we're not very good at releasing and letting go of. And sometimes it just feels like a release, a letting go of stress intention from the body so we can just 
get on with things, <laughs> get on with our lives in a little more of like a reset um, type of scenario. So yeah, that's just a, a general gist of it. Yeah, I, I, my experience of connected breathing and the different styles of it would be um, more limited than, than other styles of breathwork. My general focus and where I often find the most um, value is in the more down regulation side of things. Mm. But I find with connected breathing, one of the things that happens for me when I explore it, it almost sort of removes excess thinking, if that makes sense. Because, because I'm so focused on, on finding that connected sort of circular rhythm, the kind of what I would maybe describe as unnecessary thinking that we sometimes spend a lot of time doing, you don't really have space for that. Uh, your breathing sort of like takes that away in, in, in a sense. And it can 100%, yeah. help you sort of connect with what's sort of always sitting beneath the surface, which I think is these more intimate feelings of stuff like anger or fear or things that you're holding on to, whatever it is. Um, so I find it a really nice technique for that reason. Because okay. it just sort of, it sort of forces you to sit with how you're feeling. You it know? does. And it almost, this is, and this is always the difference. Cause I, I don't tell people that, oh, you should do this type of breathing every day. I don't think you should. Like I've done it every day when I'm in doing training and I'm an emotional wreck by the end of the week. But <laughs> so, but however, it is an amazing technique to exactly one of the biggest things I find when it is getting out of our head, like it will get you out of your head very quickly. It takes about 10 minutes, but you will be able to get out of your head into your body start feeling how your body feels our body holds so much tension and the whole premise of this type of breath work is that we hold tension and stress and experiences and emotions in our body and when we can actually get out of our head which is made it's an amazing technique for anyone who lives in their head a lot uh, which i'm sure all of us do but some of us more than others of being able to get into your body and then just exploring so sometimes it's like oh my back is so painful and tense and tight and actually when we start breathing and feeling into that tension and tightness in our back often we can go oh we'll have this like emotion and then suddenly the the pain is gone um which is bizarre or sometimes we'll have a memory just come to the surface and go wow i haven't even thought about that in years why is that coming up mm -hmm. and oftentimes this is just this idea of the body holding on to a lot of what's our experiences in our life um so it's a way of tapping in because you can tell people that and you're like yeah but what do i do about it <laughs> but actually breathwork is a great way of of allowing yourself to feel into your body and really helping you embody yourself again because we kind of walk around a lot like floating heads really in life of just like really being in our heads and not forgetting we have a body um, and just bringing it in the same way yoga will just be able to just connect you back into this body we have and ground us and help us feel a little bit more connected in our lives yeah i think you know not to project my experiences onto everybody but i think in general we're probably pretty good at ignoring things as a as a species. We have like a great skill of kind of ignoring things that we might feel uncomfortable facing. Um, but I do feel I, I can't remember where I heard it from, but it's one of the things that always kind of sticks with me when it comes to breathing practices that when you when you breathe more deeply, you feel more deeply and um, mm -hmm. like this inherent connection between breathing and feeling. And when you really become more intimate with your breathing, you're going to become more intimate with how you're feeling. And yeah. one of the nice things about our breathing is that our breathing moves. So when you kind of, uh, it can give you that opportunity to, to move through things, to, to, to see things that are there. But like you said, sometimes, you know, seeing something's there, well, that's not great if you don't have a, a tool to, to process yeah. that. But our breathing kind of offers us that sort of, yeah, really nice dual capacity to, 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 to feel, but also to, mm. to, to, to work, I guess. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, 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 that jumped out at me there when you're just telling your, your story, when you talked about being, you know, burnt out uh, with the academic side of things or feeling, yeah, struggling, I guess, with, with, with mm. that. And, but that sense of feeling, you know, this is, this is what I should be doing and how certain tools can help you sort of manage that a little. Mm. And I've heard, over the last few years, kind of criticisms of mindfulness practices, uh, even sort of styles of yoga and stuff, that they're almost becoming corporate in a way. In oh, the sense yeah. that you 
you do your really busy job, you you know you shop loads, you do all of those kind of things that a that a, a corporate capitalist society wants you to do. Mm-hmm. But then you do a little bit of meditation so you don't get burnt out, <laughs> and then it just allows yeah. you participating in this uh, system. I mean. I mean, I, I've, I've been one of those teachers, like I used to go into these massive corporations in New York and where people were just like miserable and they would build a beautiful little meditation room for them and they would come and do a little like, you know, just some, some breathing exercises and stuff. And I remember just being like, this isn't right, because it's like what happened to me, like I kept looking for things to help me stay in a situation that wasn't for me. And that's why. I and and that's the thing with a lot a lot of meditation it does help and I and I was able to cope better with this and actually when I look back I think I have one job where um I was really burnt out and I was really stressed all the time and again just keep doing it and it wasn't until I left that job they and they they advertised and they were going to hire someone else and I found out a couple of months later they hired two people two people to do my job. So me looking back, I was like, hang on a second. So me trying to find all these techniques to make me better able to cope. But I was doing two people's jobs, like no one should have to find a way to cope with doing that, which was mad because I think what this conscious connected breath work and, and these other tools like this help is really feeling into okay what do i want (laughs) because a lot of the workshops we do are about like okay well what's going on like what do i need to do and maybe it is just i need to take a holiday so sometimes that's that's true Mm. or sometimes it's a case of hang on what do i what do i want and can we keep connecting in um and i find with 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 lots of types of breath work that this type of work helps us listen to what again we quieten the mind we listen to our inner voice that quiet inner intuition that it gets drowned out by our the way we think and yeah that's exactly what happened in New York I was like I'm not comfortable with being the person just to help these people stay in these jobs that they want don't want I almost just wanted them to and and and, you know I'm sure some of them them did love being there it was just a case of um the top-down approach was wasn't um a, a good way of doing it like they just wanted people to work better as opposed to actually wanting to people feel, to feel fulfilled in their jobs because i know other people do these things but they do it from a much more compassionate conscious way of building a conscious business and wanting people to be happy and not just um you know better at working <laughs> yeah yeah i think where i personally have found the most benefit from a, from a breathing practice or just becoming more aware of my breathing essentially is that it really gives me sort of these tools to to kind of mindfully manage my moment to moment experience, uh, you know, kind of like navigating the craziness of the world that we live in. But there's sometimes as you kind of speak to, I think, well, is this an experience I should be managing or is this an experience I should just be turning away from? And I think one of the things I've seen you speak to quite a little bit is kind of connecting with your authentic self or connecting with your inner truth. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes, at least to me, sometimes those words, I always sometimes refer back to the person I was before I did yoga. And those words would have always kind of sounded very sort of like vague to me or very kind of like, I don't And just like, just a little wanky. <laughs> truth, what is that even like my authentic? So I was wondering if I you know. could know, touch on the importance of that as a practice mm-hmm. because i said i think that's something that you know is as important as knowing how to manage your breathing so you don't get frustrated about being in a long queue at the shops is amazing mm-hmm. but also understanding how you can use your breathing to actually kind of radically transform your your self perception is is a pretty is a pretty good thing to learn how to do too yeah <laughs> uh, exactly yeah, mind speaking to that a little bit yeah of course i mean that's like my passion is is that because in in the same way i spent so many years living someone else's life and you know it was my choice like i don't think anyone forced me to do it it was just i didn't really understand there was a part of me that knew (laughs) you know this authentic self let's call it i i got i know those words always kind of feel like self-love and authentic self and self-trust and i think self-trust is the one i i kind of like a lot because um i think that incorporates a lot of things because if we trust ourselves 
you know, I think a lot of times, you know, when we're growing up, we have a lot of experiences that we tend to stop trusting ourselves. And for me, you know, relationships and things like that in the past didn't go very well. I kind of stopped trusting myself in, in, in choosing relationships because I was like, I can't, I'm not good at this. However, when I look back now, I can see actually I was probably ignoring a lot of signs because, you know, I was just ignoring how things were. But actually, if we fully embody trusting ourselves, like that idea of if someone else trust themselves a lot and they have a lot of suggestions and ideas of what you should do or what they we should do as a couple or or, or as a business partner or whatever and if they're embodying that and you don't have that you're just kind of probably going to be swayed by them a lot of just being like oh okay i guess i guess if they know like if we don't know what we want or who we are or what's important to us let's say our values what are our values or what do we value because sometimes we don't even know what that is we're just kind of going along with societal expectations but if we can embody that feeling of trusting ourselves and knowing ourselves and just even that like trust of, I don't know if I'm feeling comfortable walking down the street, I'm just going to cross the road. Like we've all had these kind of like moments of intuition or something going, I'm not quite right. Or just meeting someone and just not getting a good feeling and we just go at our gut. Like that's kind of a part of it. But if we can really trust it, really trust our gut, and I've absolutely found through rhetoric that that's possible. And I've done whole courses on trusting ourselves and we talk about it and we journal about it and we talk about what's coming up when we talk about particular topics about trust. Um, and we see what's there. We see what's there because sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. And we're like, actually, I don't know what I value. I don't know what my values are. I have no clue. And if we can keep embodying that feeling of trusting ourselves, then when things come along, like now, like I'm doing a job I absolutely love, but still I'll get approached, you know, I'll get approached by Brian saying, do you want to come on a podcast? And I'm going, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. I want to do that. But I've often been approached by things like, like say the corporate thing that didn't really fit, feel that right. You kind of get a sense of what I want and what's important to me. And the idea of saying no is the most amazing thing that has come out of all of this because we feel bad about saying no and we we fluff around and we're not really sure what to say and we don't want to make people feel bad but when we start embodying ourselves we can say no in a really kind way but also an embodied that's just not for me like that's okay and actually people respect that so me for me learning how to say no was a big part of you know trusting myself and just embodying myself and being like it's just doesn't feel right not right now, anything like that. And I think a lot of, there's a lot of power, there's a lot of strength, there's a lot of ownership in me and my life. Like well, this one life, like when I just look now where I am now, I'm like, why would I spend half my life doing things other people think I should do? Um, and it still happens. Often people, you know, out of love and, you know, thinking they know will be like, oh, you should do this or you should do this. And I'm like, oh, right, yeah. And then you kind of go, well, okay, well, that's an interesting idea. I'll explore that one. But the other one's, just not feeling it right now. And that's what I mean about trusting ourselves and just that authenticity that I feel that we can connect with very deeply in breath work. And it's something we lose. We're humans, we're, we're, we're beings that, you know, want other people's opinions and want to impress people and want to be part of the pack. There's this place of being in breath work and connecting with that again, and actually really good for decision-making, really good for getting clarity on situations of just removing the mind slightly by just breathing this way the mind quietens connecting with our body and we're like okay body soul higher self what what are we going to do what are, what's what's next for us there's something about you know asking the question in that space and then using the brain like i love my brain i was a neuroscientist for years but the brain's <laughs> going to be there to act and do the things um that you know feel good and connected and one of my teachers used to say something like um if it's scary and exciting, do it. Because there was one point in my life where I thought what I needed was to retreat. I'm just, world's too scary. It's too, I'm too overwhelmed all the time. I'm just going to live in this little cottage. Uh, I lived in Galway at the time and I'm just going to be happy for the rest of my life. And I realized I got bored and I was like, no, I want to live a full big life and make an impact. I just would like to do it in a way that doesn't overwhelm me. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, can I ask you about your training actually? Because I think they're starting to become a little bit more um, popular. I'm not sure if it's the right word, but I know what I can say when I would have first started doing yoga, although 
breathing and pranayama was obviously a part of our training. I never remember seeing many specific focuses on breathing trainings, or at least not in my experience. And I know a lot of people maybe listening to this podcast will be yoga teachers uh, or yoga teacher trainees. Um, so I was wondering if you maybe would just, uh, yeah, maybe talk a little bit about your experience with your training, how, how, how you found it, how you came across it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so it's a difficult one because breathwork in particular, and particularly when we talk about these active types of breathwork, there's a lot of responsibility in that in terms of what can come up for people. You know, it's not something, you know, we should take lightly. There's a lot involved, but it's also not an, in any way regulated field, of course. So, you know, if you are thinking about doing it, just to kind of keep these things in mind when you're looking and, and doing things. I've done quite a lot of trainings just for my own benefit of um, learning. Um, so I started out doing transformational breath. I never did the full teacher training in transformational breath, but they do an amazing course that I think is very reputable. Um, it's kind of a long, you do like four or five different stages um, and they do a really good job with their training. I really enjoy transformational breath as a practice. When I moved to New York, I discovered um, David Elliott, who is a healer. And I was just really drawn to him, particularly. Um, I really enjoy his practice. Like I said, it's 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 a conscious, connected breathing, but it's a it's gentle. It's a gentle approach. Now it can be very intense, but it's a gentleness to it that in some of the other ones I find a bit too intense for me, um, a bit too kind of forceful. Um, and what David says a lot is just this gentle approach to allowing what needs to come up as opposed to any kind of forcing, because that's just dangerous territory. And um, so I did training with David. He does. Uh, so David Elliott, like I said, he doesn't necessarily have a name for it. So a lot of people, he's quite very popular in the US. Um, so people in New York, if you go to New York or, or LA, everyone, anyone who does breathwork probably did training with David. Um, and there is like four levels. And like I said, I did a week, a seven day training with him in New Mexico, which was the most intense experience of my life because you do breathwork like twice a day and you do these trainings like for like 10 or 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and um and then i went to and then you do these kind of additional trainings as well with him so it's it's very much because he's a, he is a healer essentially it's it's more called a healer training so he t- teaches you about intuition he teaches you about um feeling into people and, and what's going on for them and it's, it's from a very almost spiritual perspective which was very unusual for me to feel i wanted to do because i come from such a scientific background for me to do that was a big stretch for me um but i think it's exactly what i needed at the time so obviously as a scientist um i wanted to kind of piece this back um so i've done a lot of my own work um on piecing it into the research um that's been done so a lot of my um, ex- experience of, of that is, is just my own academic research of just building that, that, that um, together of understanding how, it's, how it works. Well, we don't actually have a lot of understanding of how it works, but we understand the benefits of it very much. I also did some training with Dan Brule, who's a, who's a wonderful uh, breathwork teacher um, in Europe. He's awesome and I love how he explains things and he does a whole range of different types of breathing, which is beautiful. Um, and I recently started doing some because almost wanting to move a little bit more into, well, well, let me understand a little bit more about the yogic understanding, even the yogic words. So I'm doing one training with a guy called uh, Michael Baker. I can't remember. Yeah, the Dutch guy. That Dutch guy. Yeah, yeah, I recently started doing that with him because I just want to understand that I want to understand the yoga so he's he's a yoga guy so I really wanted to understand his perspective of it so you know from in terms of the formal training my formal training is with David Elliott mm-hmm. and then a lot of the other and that, that's the one I mainly teach now as we we're talking about earlier on there's the you know active breathing and then there's the more slow deep breathing which I absolutely do as well because I think they're important together um because again, just active breathing, active breathing, active breathing is great. But like, even for me, I have seasons of that. Like I know, like, if, for example, like in a, like a month or two ago, I was feeling really annoyed, just feeling really angry. I didn't know what was going on. I was trying to buy a house. It's just a nightmare. Just getting pissed off at everybody. I'm like, I need, I need some breath work. And I ended up doing like a number of weeks, like one a week with, with a friend of mine to really understand. And it was so fascinating because I was really understanding my anger. I was understanding why it was there. I was understanding why it was there, what it was there to teach me, mm-hmm. um, which was really fascinating. 
but also now I'm all right. Now I'm now I feel like I'm I'm good. I'm in a place where I'm just doing a lot of the slow, deep breathing because that is so amazing for stress resilience in our lives. Mm. So those two things I think are helpful. Like the active breathing for me when I need it. Um, or you know, if 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 you want to move through, that's really great. And some people do it more often. Um, but yeah, sorry, I went on a tangent there. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. I think it's kind of funny actually because I sort of find maybe we might have taken slightly similar paths, but in reverse. Because I obviously started yeah. with, with, with yoga, and that was my my first kind of awakening to 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 breathing practices. Um, and then through my 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 studies of yoga, which I've kind of come to understand that essentially yoga although we work with our, our body we work with our breathing in a lot of ways yoga is essentially a study of your mind mm. that i've sort of found myself now um with no formal training so i'm sometimes kind of like uh just like swimming in waters i don't really understand studying a lot of neuroscience stuff and uh, understanding the the effects of of these things on our on our brains and one of i think the the the, the biggest breakthroughs for me at least is kind of understanding how our brains are sort of like so habitual and so kind of um like pattern forming machines in mm -hmm. a certain way and um, so have you found your background in neuroscience has really fed into your understanding of your breathing practices and your teachings or as you're saying was it more a few more of a, a necessary kind of departure to find a little bit more of the the, the more intuitive feeling side of things um, a little bit of both. So in, initially it was uh, not a rejection of science, but it was just a case of, I just, I, I want to feel, I want to feel this. Like my initial soiree into it was absolutely about how I feel, how, what it's doing to my body, what it's doing to other people around me. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I just wanted to feel that connection. Um, however, once I was kind of finished that kind of formal training, I went straight back to the science because I wanted to understand what was going on because it's just of, of interest to me. Um, but what was fascinating was I wasn't finding that much research. Now, in the last five or six years, it's starting to explode, um, the research that's been done. So I love and how I teach is usually connecting it back to the what's happening, because I think we all we all end up teaching as teachers. We teach what's good for us. And, you know, the people who are a little bit more kind of like us will probably come to us and someone who's like you will go to you or whatever it is whereas i know for me to be comfortable doing something i want to understand what's happening so i obviously i end up explaining not a lot but i'll go into some detail about what's happening and especially with you know when it feels a quite intense experience i want people to understand so i'll definitely explain a bit about what's happening in the body and the psychology behind it uh, and we, we touched on it briefly earlier about i think you mentioned about um uh you know, we often ignore things in our life or we, we're, we're very good at that. But it, the body is an amazing way. It's, it's so great that the body can do that, that we can go, oh, not now. We're just going to park that over there for later. Um, so I, I kind of deep dived into the psychology of why that was, which I love talking about in my classes and things because I find it so fascinating. But we tend to, to breathe really shallowly and particularly when we're, um, you know, in a, in a situation that's scary or, or just you know we can't have capacity to deal with the emotions of we'll park it and then it's something that the brain will present us later um, when it's ready to process but we live in a weird world at the moment where that process isn't happening as much because we tend to we tend to look at our phones a lot we tend to be on watch tv we tend to do things to distract us from the emotion that's trying to get back in that's trying to go hey you know that thing we dealt with three years ago, it's time, it's time to reflect that. Cause that's why what happens, we have these memories. We're like, why is that thing coming back up? I thought I dealt with that years ago, but it's actually the body kind of parked it. It's like, we can't deal with that right now. Um, and it comes back up later to be dealt with. That's why things like breath work can be really helpful to allow ourselves to feel into what emotions are here and why they're here. Their emotions aren't bad. Like, I think one of the reasons I got into all of this, which I find hilarious now, was I would definitely have a bit of a perfectionist personality of wanting this to be right and wanting to be happy and wanting to have a great life of almost coming into this going, okay, I'm going to have the, I'm going to be the best meditator. I'm going to be the best of this or ever. And, you know, I'll be happier, you know, at the end of the day is kind of what we're looking for. But what I really learned is by doing this work is like, oh, no, no, no. This is about allowing all our emotions, allowing emotions to be here, allowing ourselves to be messy humans, 
in the best possible way. Just like, yeah, embrace our humanness, embrace the fact that I'm pissed off and annoyed. But can I be okay with that? Is that okay? As opposed to, you know, I think we're kind of all kind of moving past that whole idea of that spiritual bypassing thing that was going around for a long time of just being like, just be calm and serene all the time. Now, as a default, you probably will end up being, I am a little calmer than I used to be because of I allow my emotions so if I'm getting annoyed and pissed off it probably won't last like as long as it used to because mm-hmm. I'll allow it to move through a little bit better than I used to anyway again another tangent <laughs> um, so I, growing up I would have I think people or a lot of people some people would have always seen me as quite like a calm person I've, I've always been like fairly like chilled out I don't tend to get overly worked up for the most part um and that would have been something I remember, like, you know, people saying to me quite a lot as I grow up, like, you know, oh, you're, you're so like laid back or whatever. But what I and, and when I started doing yoga and stuff, I felt like a lot of it kind of came quite naturally to me because, you know, I was like, you know, be calm, you know, uh, you know, like all these sort of things. So I was like, yeah, I'm kind of, kind of good at this. Um, but as I started to go deeper into my practice of kind of self-study, what I realized is that I was just actually like really, really good at ignoring all of the things that like should have made me get a little bit worked up. Like I was like, I used to think I was a really simple person. I was like, you know, like people would talk about their issues or, <clears throat> you know, things would come up even in, it was an issue I had in, in, in previous relationships of like, you know, I wouldn't really deal with the kind of the more difficult, messy kind of complicated issues. Cause I was like, that's, I just want things to be simple. Mm. But what I realized is I was like, again, just really good at ignoring things. Um, and, I think it was when I really started to go further into a breathing practice that I was able to become more intimate with all of the things that kind of mm. make me who I am. And I can't remember the exact quote and I can't remember who said it, but again, it was another thing that really resonated with me that you kind of have this choice in life to struggle with your issues and face them, or you have the choice of struggling with ignoring these issues yeah that's kind of your choice but either way it's going to be a struggle but one's a little bit more uh authentic one's a little bit more real one's a little bit more Mm -hmm. uh meaningful i would maybe kind of say um i love that and it's so funny that you say that because i was actually the very same i used to get oh kathy's so easygoing and quiet and i was just like you know whatever you know all the time and it's funny because i think i started embodying that and being like oh yeah i should be like that and then i was but that was again not allowing or, or avoidance techniques of just not avoiding situations that were going to be a little bit more. And, and as I was saying, like a few weeks ago, when I was moving through anger and I was doing these breathwork practices to understand, I'm like, what's going on? There's a me- there's always, I know now there's always a message here. What's the, what's the learning here? And what I've discovered a few weeks ago was that every time I get angry, it immediately follows shame or sorry, shame immediately follows it. So I get angry and then I got, oh, no, I shouldn't have gone angry. Oh, no, I feel really bad. Oh, I shouldn't, blah, blah, blah. And I just had this insight into, whoa, what would anger be like without shame? I don't know if I've ever experienced anger and not the shame that immediately attaches to it. And one of the things that David, who I did my training with, describes anger, he goes, if you just take anger and you add a little love or understanding to it, that's passion. You know, and it's just like all of these things, like each emotion, if we just add a little self-compassion to that emotion, that actually can explode in something so beautiful. Like, you know, even sadness and you put a bit of self-love in that, that's like, you know, compassion and understanding and all those beautiful things. Like artists use these emotions all the time. And I think given that way I was growing up and similar to you probably of just suppressing these beautiful emotions that could be there. So yeah, that was a really amazing insight into allowing anger. And I kept going, why am I angry? Why am I angry? And I feel like for me, it was just, I needed to understand that a little more because I still feel uncomfortable with anger. I think we all do. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I, I really, I really love that concept of just, just adding that little something to shift your perspective. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, a it's, it's, kind of simple but a really really powerful powerful way of 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 looking at things Um, and just add just the idea of trying to fix the mind with the mind 
you're just going to go around in circles. So one of the things of, oh, I'm feeling like this. Oh, I shouldn't. Oh, da, 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 da. You know, we're using the mind to fix the mind and it's just going to go around in circles. But if you find yourself in that place, just come into your body, use a mechanical way to, to talk to the mind, not the mind to the mind. Because what are there two minds up there? It's just one mind. So come into the body to, to reset. And that's why breathwork helps us look at things from different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. I, I recently read, um, I've been reading a book on the importance of, because obviously I just had a baby, uh, the importance of, 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 of love, basically, for, for, for baby. Um, but one of the things they talk about in it is, is, is the importance of not suppressing feelings, whether it's yourself or whether it's in your, your child. Um, and this talks about yeah. how we, we sometimes can think of there as being this sort of um, dichotomy, is dichotomy the word I'm looking for, of like feelings and mind. Your feelings are over here, your mind is over here. And we can kind of use our mind to to understand our feelings or kind of like push our feelings away. But that's kind of like it, there's a separation uh, yeah. and that our mind is kind of like rational. Our feelings are a little bit more kind of um, erratic, let's say. But what they're talking about in this book is how feelings come first. You, you don't have a rational mind without feelings and um, mm-hmm. that, that, that there's no separation here. And I think sometimes we can get caught up in sort of over analyzing and over separating from the feelings instead of mm-hmm. just being with the feelings and sort of almost letting the 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 the, the understanding come from feeling rather than than overly thinking or as you say categorizing or or yeah. explaining or just sort of be with the feeling first I think it's a, yeah. it's a again one of these things that's so simple but really I know and I think it comes back to as well this idea of accepting ourselves like self-acceptance because if we're like oh no not that feeling or no not that thought no not we're not accepting ourselves so i love that idea of just like let it all be here the resistance is 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 what you know what we resist persists um so i love the idea of just full self-acceptance is is loving all the messy bits as well and allowing them to be here and if we can get to a stage where we love those bits and we love the tantrums and we love this and we love that you know that's that's beautiful you know it is accepting ourselves because otherwise how can we have self-love if we're not actually accepting the parts of us we're choosing which parts we want to love and choosing which parts we want to you know get rid of yeah i haven't heard that before what resists persists Mm. it's uh yeah that's that's true (laughs) true i mean and it's so true in breathwork do you ever have that in breathwork when you're just like oh i just this thing and i don't want you even if it's just a physical feeling we're like i don't like it but if we just relax into it it actually usually shifts and changes whether it's an emotion or a physical feeling that it's it's the acceptance of it just allows it but if we just still go resisting it it's literally never gonna never gonna leave but it's almost a paradox in that of just we have to accept the thing we won't want to let it go whereas when i tell people that it's so funny because you always have this thing of okay i'm just gonna accept it and then it'll go away but actually it's i'm gonna need to accept it love it and actually it'll probably dissipate itself but we can't love it with the view that we're gonna get rid of it (laughs) um another thing i wanted to ask you so obviously the last year has been a, a a different for 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 all of us and at the start of of the the first lockdown so last march whatever it was i listened to a podcast with sam harris and Mm. he said something the podcast was called the importance of meditation in difficult times or something like that Mm. and one of the things that he that he that he said in this podcast which has really kind of stuck with me um ever since he, he was speaking of the importance of maintaining uh he was talking specifically about meditation, but I would definitely include, I like to think of breath work and, and yoga, mm. Tai Chi, whatever you want to, whatever you practice that makes you self-reflect is just kind of like yeah. contemplative practices. So the importance of contemplative practices in difficult times. And he says that, or what he said was, who are you going to be in the most difficult moment in your life? He said, you will only be the person that you have practiced being. Uh, you're not going to like in a difficult moment of an oh shit now I'm going to start doing like you know it's kind of like so the importance of maintaining these practices in times when maybe it is kind of easier or more tempting to like oh, I just want to go like watch Netflix for a while um, yeah. not that you can't do that as well but mm-hmm. what I wanted to ask you is how have you found your practice 
the the importance of it maybe how it's changed or maybe how uh how it's been for you over the last year in both your own practice and your own teaching um mm. because i think i think this year was the year that a lot of people um really sort of woke up to the importance of of practices that help us um you know maintain some level of 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 clarity in 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 what has been a kind of a crazy year absolutely has and i think it's been you know i always say that like adversity is great when you look at it with um in retrospect so when we talk about adversity that happens in our lives it's so i always kind of tell people if we're talking about adversity okay don't pick something that's happening right now uh because oftentimes it's very difficult to 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 remove ourselves from it and see you know what the learning or whatever it is from it but if we choose something that was before like a number of go and go god yeah that was a really tough experience like my like mental breakdown um you know whatever it was 12 years ago like at the time if you, someone told me good look at the positive i would get so annoyed like but with retrospect of looking back i'm like wow that was such a turning point in my life actually it was pretty bad at the time but um it really changed my life and if that didn't happen i may have still been in the same career i was in or been a little bit more afraid to to change so you know i think adversity um is very helpful although you know obviously it's difficult when it's very 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 trying things and very difficult things however i do think this idea of these practices and i think you're so right we often go to these practices when we're already in a state of panic or <laughs> stress but I, and, that, and that's great and to be honest i find breathwork very good for that like say if i'm going through a big emotional thing or i need to move something i'll use breathwork to move through it um and i find that really helpful however like you're alluding to this idea of um resilience stress resilience can be built 100% there's so much research out there very simple techniques to build resilience is so important and like i say i'm not someone who meditates every day i know because for many years when i was definitely doing that thing of what's everyone else doing and i should be doing the same i don't do that anymore and i know me i don't need to do i don't want to or need to do something every day but i do it often i do maybe a few times a week or you know i'll, I'll have some practices that that i'll kind of do more often and particularly with breathing it's just something i'll come back to you know quite a lot and the idea of just doing something so simple um like like coherence breathing i'm not sure if you come across mm. this idea of just breathing in for 6 seconds and breathing out for 6 seconds so you end up breathing 5 times a minute and if you do that i mean i'm going to say every day but i don't even do it every day but if you do that several times a week or often as as often as you can that will build resilience stress resilience in mm. so that when you end up in these situations that are feel overwhelming you'll be more resilient and it's so fascinating the research because what the reason i love coherence breathing and i I'll, i'll just use that term but um a lot of the research that's been done on um uh, breathing and um stress resilience but general physical health from breathing have been done using breathe those techniques so slow deep breathing maybe putting your hand on your belly so you feel your diaphragm move but um that 5 to 6 breaths a minute um for about 5 or 10 minutes is is the one that's used in all the research studies so that's why i kind of like to lean towards that one that's um that's a really good one and it's so especially if people find it difficult to meditate because a lot of people find it difficult to, especially if you're in a overwhelmed or anxious state that can be really difficult so i love this technique of just watch your breath sometimes just play some music if you want if you feel it too distracting um you know with your thoughts just breathe in and out like that for 5 or 10 minutes will build stress resilience but at the same time we don't want to do that thing where we're just building resilience to do something we don't want to do yeah. so <laughs> but it's good to have both um <laughs> it's it's something i as someone who who teaches breathwork and stuff like that, i don't know if you maybe have have find similar things like at least in my experience the biggest benefits i've gotten from breathing practices is the simple stuff but sometimes as a teacher i'm like should this be a little bit more exciting like should it really be like a hook or like you know like you know <laughs> people leaving the practice being like oh my god my life is like changed or something you know what i mean um but 
So in yoga, that coherence breathing is called samavriti. I'm not sure if you'll, you'll come across it before okay. uh, in your in your um, in your trainings, but just the act of balancing your inhales and exhales. Now, mm. in, in 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 yoga or in the traditional text, there was no mention of an, an exact rhythm or anything like that. But it was just balance inhales and exhales, and it's so simple, but it it's it the effects are just so far reaching and. Mm-hmm. When I teach teacher trainings, so uh, yoga teacher trainings, um, when when we were doing them in person, the summer intensives that we do outside every single day that we do five to ten minutes of coherent breathing or samavriti, whatever we want to call it, and we cover so much stuff on these courses. Like we do so much stuff in the physical side of things, the the spiritual side of things. Like it's 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 you know the courses are full, but so often at the end of it, I get so many people like that five minutes breathing within the side of the day, like, holy shit. Like that was like, uh, that was like the best thing I got from the course. You know, we do so much stuff and it's just that, that simple little thing. And I think, again, sometimes our minds are good at sort of resisting simple things. We sort of look towards complexity or things that yeah. are unique or again, exciting. And, um, but again, just within these simple practices, like you say, developing a level of mindfulness, developing, uh, you know, st- that resiliency it's, it's, I don't know. It's it's it's. I, sometimes I have to keep reminding myself that it doesn't always have to be exciting. It doesn't always have to. Be I know. Exciting. No, no. I'm probably taking the um the the easy way out by the type of breathing I do. To be honest, is mostly like, wow, what was that? That was amazing. Because <laughs> I, I do get a little joy out. Of that. But yeah. I do always <laughs> come back to that idea of, yeah, that's great. But can we do these other practices? And it's kind of interesting because I was the same. Someone would say, oh, just do these breathing. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, breathing's very good, very good. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, it wasn't until I did the wow ones that I started to realize why this was so good. Mm-hmm. And then now knowing that and coming back to these simple practices, I'm like, oh, it was here all the time. <laughs> but I'm just ignoring it because it wasn't it wasn't exciting. But yeah, yeah I think you're so on, on the ball with that. Sometimes, so I, you know, it was true yoga that I first kind of got, got into to breathing techniques or I sort of consider my my first really spiritual experience was on my teacher training course just from a simple breathing exercise and I all of a sudden felt this like I I was existing in like an ocean like there was no space between me and other people we're all in this like sea of energy and stuff like it was really amazing but for me it was the Wim Hof method that kind of really sort of opened my eyes to the to the power of breath work because again it's it's similar to connected breathing in some ways it, it it has that sort of like impact and i sort of consider the wim hof or that more sort of like dramatic breathing techniques is i'm not sure if this is the most apt metaphor but i sometimes think of that as like you know if you go to a festival when you're younger and you take like mdma with your friends and it's just like whoa <laughs> like this is amazing yeah. like, i love you guys so much like and <laughs> That stuff is amazing, but you, you, I don't think you can do Well, some people do, but you probably couldn't do that like every single weekend. But when you do, if you do, it, there'll be consequences yeah, <laughs> probably yeah. eventually. Whereas the more kind of mindful or sort of like, you know, Samavriti, coherent breathing, that's like having a meal with your partner in the evening. You know what I mean? It's nice. It's nourishing. You can do that every time. And they're similar. You know what I mean? They're kind of like we're working on similar things, but. Uh, exactly. Yeah, that's how I kind of see. So definitely exactly. go and I think, to the festival every now and again, do your MDMA with your friends, have an amazing time. Great, all for that. <laughs> we get to have like a nice dinner at the end of each day as well. <laughs> exactly, and also just the idea of doing these kind of things, you know, short, small and often, is that idea that like over time, you're just going to feel more calm. You're going to be feel more centered. I definitely feel I'm more present and aware in my life when I'm doing something like that a little bit more often and I lose it when I'm not doing it as often. Um, but definitely like that, that's the life I want. That's the life I'm of being present, being centered, making decisions from a place of centeredness as opposed to, Oh, what should we do? Yeah. Um, we can get from these kind of you know practices. Amazing. Listen, Kathy, I would love to, to stay talking to you for another hour. Like could happily do that, but um, <laughs> I have a baby wow. and two. Uh, so- yeah, but if you're still, <laughs> um, if you're still up for it, uh, if you were up for just leaving us on a small little practice, whatever whatever little breathing practice you might like to go to at, at this moment in time, um, 
I think that would be a really beautiful way to end the conversation. I think that would be great. Thank you so much, Brian. Um, I wanted to, there's a couple of different things I just wanted to mention before we move into this practice. So there's two types of anxiety we can often have. One is when we're too agitated and we need to calm down. But we also have another type of anxiety, which I'm very familiar with, of overwhelm, and which leads to chronic fatigue. So we're just hired all the time. We don't know why, but there's an underlying just not feeling okay. And that actually is another type of anxiety. So I wanted to focus on that one today. And this one, um, so with the anxiety where we want to calm ourselves, breathing out for longer than we breathe in is absolutely the way you want to go. Breathing out for longer, so just breathing in for a few counts and then breathing out long and slow will really help your nervous system. This other type of anxiety that happens, I want to focus on today. So whether you're feeling um, fatigued or or whether you're just feeling a little kind of, ah, oh, and you can't get your work done, or you just want to get more energy and focus and alertness. So if you're feeling super anxious right now, I wouldn't do this one, but if it's a good one to come back to, um, if you need some alertness, you need some energy, you need some focus. And it could just tie into the type of uh, breathwork I teach, but it's going to be very, very short. So we're not going to go into a super deep, uh, deep place today. So we're going to start with a hand on your belly and a hand just on your chest over your heart. And we're going to close our eyes. And just in this space, taking a couple of deep breaths and just feeling into your body. And we're going to breathe into our belly and then into our chest and then exhale. So we're going to breathe in for longer than we breathe out. So you can follow me. Continue in that pattern. And feeling into the quality of your exhale as we breathe like this. Your exhale, we want to just let it fall. There's no pushing out. There's no slow holding and slowly releasing. It's just a, ah, we can even bring a sigh. And the quality of our exhale, how we control our exhale, is quite interesting to how we tend to control in our lives. So as we breathe, notice, can you just allow that exhale to just to release, just letting gravity, atmospheric pressure, your muscles just to release the breath. You don't have to do anything. And in this space, we're just practicing letting go. We're practicing letting go with the breath. But interesting, that's highly connected to how we're able to let go in our everyday lives too. So we almost use this practice as a training ground for letting go. Maybe we can let go a little bit more of emotions that come, letting go of conversations and situations that we tend to hold on to. And you may be feeling a little energy in your body. We're going to allow that to be here. We're going to move from a place of potential of fatigue, tiredness, that can have agitation in it to a place of more more alertness, more energy to move into our day. So we can feel the belly move, feel the chest move, and then on that exhale, 
And just another few breaths like this. And we can let go of that active breathing now. Just come back to a regular breath pattern, whatever the breath wants to do. And just feeling how the body feels. If we feel any energy in the body, allowing it to flow, allowing it to be here, allowing ourselves to sink into our space a little more. Connecting into that center, wherever that might be. It could be in our heart, our belly. Where is your center? Your center of calm and ease and flow. Just sit in the space just for the next moments. And slowly open our eyes and come back. This is just a nice, short, gentle practice to give ourselves a little energy and focus and alertness. That was amazing, Kathy. Thank you so much. Um, Fantastic. I know I keep mentioning the fact that I have a baby, um, but <laughs> um, I'm obviously working on less sleep than I than I usually would at the moment. Um, yeah. Now I feel now I feel much more capable of um of taking on the rest of the day. Uh, Wonderful, the great one. Thank you so much. Before I let you go, um, maybe just let people know where they can where they can find a little bit more about you, your classes, what things you're maybe yeah. that you have upcoming. Um, that'd be amazing. Well, thanks. Um, yes, so my website is breathworkcoaching.com and I'm on social media on at breathworkcoaching. I do a Monday night drop-in class. So it's just a drop-in class you can book one hour. So we talk a little bit about breathwork and do the practice. Um, and then once a month with Little Bird, actually just around the corner here, I do a, um, a longer workshop on uh, first Sunday of the month. But I also have a six-week course starting actually this time next month. So in about four weeks, it'll be a six-week immersive, I won't call it intensive, I'll call it immersive, but it's a pretty pretty intensive experience of doing work once a week for six weeks with the view that we'll move through a lot of emotion and things we might be holding on to, with the view that of just learning a lot more about this practice that you could potentially bring it more into your life. So that's uh, on my website. You can check that out. If you want to add the, join the, the wait list for that, I'll uh, release booking in a couple of weeks. That sounds amazing. We'll, um, I'll add your details into the, I don't know if people call it like the show notes or something. The show notes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, listen, Kathy, thank you again for, for uh, time. It was really lovely to talk to you. Um, really, really great to hear a little bit more about you and um yeah i really really enjoyed it so listen thank you thank you so much you too thank you brian that was wonderful i loved it catch uh, up again soon yeah listen enjoy the rest of your day uh, well you too see you soon